Well, good morning, everyone. I'm so glad you and your family have chosen to join us this December as we celebrate the Christmas season. I'm Walter. I'm the teaching and small groups minister here, and I'm so glad that we can be together and that Jesus was born in that manger all those years ago. For me, Christmas has always been one of these things that I look forward to all year long, and and Christmas Eve specifically as our church. I feel like it's the gathering of God's people. There's no pretense. We just get together. We worship together, uh, and then we go out as the church. It's a beautiful time, and so like Wally said, we've got a bunch of services coming up on Christmas Eve. We also have an opportunity for us to go be the church. It's one of the things that I love about our church. If you don't know, we do this donut drop thing here where we take donuts on Christmas Eve. Uh, They will be here, and you can sign up to take them out to police stations, firefighters, uh, hospitals, gas stations, dollar stores, places where people have to work on Christmas Day, on Christmas Eve, and we get to go and we bless them with some donuts in the name of Jesus. So I hope you'll join us on Christmas Eve for that. Christmas Eve... It's not just something I've looked forward to as a staff member of the church, but in some ways, it's one of these things I've looked forward to for my whole life. When I was growing up, for the first 12 years or so, my mom was single and our resources were modest, and so uh, our Christmas celebrations were also modest. I thought we had the most wonderful tree ever, but when you look back at pictures, I've come to realize that our tree was a Christmas shrub, not a Christmas tree, and it was so small that we didn't have, a, we didn't have money for a Christmas tree stand, we put it in a flower pot. And then we strung together Fruit Loops and uh, Cheerios and I think maybe some popcorn on kite string, and that was our decoration on that tree because we didn't have money for other decorations. And then on Christmas morning, the kids, my sister and I, were always so excited for presents, but they were like practical, practical things and they were kind of limited in, in their expense. But Christmas Eve, that was where it was at. We would all go over to my grandma's house after church and all of my aunts and uncles, my cousins would show up. Grandma had this amazing tree and she would give us presents and my aunts and uncles would give us presents and there was food, but there was also presents and it was amazing. I don't know about you, but I've, I've come to the realization maybe recently that Christmas is not, in fact, about the presents. It's taken me a while to get there. I also, just this week, after listening to 51 versions of All I Want for Christmas is You, I've, I've come to the realization that Christmas is also not about Mariah Carey. That's a, that's a pretty scary playlist. Uh, it can be found on Spotify. I don't recommend it. What I have come to realize is that Christmas, at least for me, it signifies the gathering. The gathering of God's people to worship our Savior, the gathering of family, the gathering of friends. And Christmas, in those gatherings, is one of the last arenas in our world in which you can experience peace. True peace. Now, peace is what we're talking about today. We're lighting the second candle of Advent And as part of this Adventist series, all four of our ministers are going to be preaching, and so it was fun to hear Eric last week. Next week, we're going to hear Abacook, and then on Christmas Eve, we'll hear from Wally. We're going to be talking about peace today specifically, how Jesus is our Prince of Peace, how he brings peace that is never-ending. And as we jump into this conversation, I wonder about you. How peaceful have you felt recently? When you think about your life over the last six months, is peace the word that you would use to describe it? Or is it something else? Maybe fatigue, disappointment, conflict? 
conflict seems to, to really define so much of our lives. It consumes it, consumes our lives. And, and I don't know, maybe it's conflict between you and your spouse. Things have not been good for a while there, and you wonder if there's hope. Maybe it's conflict between you and your parents, or, or if your parents, you and your kids, and you wonder how these people think this way. Even though you all live in the same household, why do they do the things that they do? You don't agree, and so there's conflict there. You are in conflict. Maybe it's something going on at your school. Thank goodness for Christmas break, a couple weeks off from the routine, but man, when you think about 2024, all those same people and same situations and same buildings will be there and your anxiety level rises, you are in conflict. Maybe it's something you've seen on TV or heard on the radio or watched on YouTube and you're all wrapped up in this conflict. You know why your side is the right side and the other side is the wrong side and you've got all the talking points and your emotions are engaged and you're in conflict. It's fascinating to me just how, how thoroughly for one day every year we can set aside that conflict and we can even tolerate crazy Uncle Albert as he comes to Christmas dinner and we, we don't respond to him and we find some version of peace on Christmas. My question for us today is, how can we take that peace and move beyond it? How can we go beyond peace just on Christmas Eve or just on Christmas Day and head into peace throughout the rest of the year? Well, to answer that question, we're going to turn to the prophet Isaiah this morning. So turn with me to Isaiah chapter 9, and we're going to dig into a prophecy about our Savior Jesus Christ. Isaiah 9 verse 1. Nevertheless, that time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. The land of Zebulun and Naphtali will be humbled, but there will be a time in the future when Galilee of the Gentiles, which lies along the road that runs between the Jordan and the sea, will be filled with glory. Now what we're going to read here in Isaiah 9 is this famous prophecy that looks forward to the arrival of Jesus. And, and these words will, have, will be read or have already been read by countless Christians and churches throughout the world this Christmas season. At the time these words were uttered, though, the world felt like it was in deep darkness, in, in despair, like it was in conflict, in chaos. If you think our, our world, our nation today, feels like it, it's divided, it, it is. There's conflict here. But, but put yourself in the shoes of the hearers of Isaiah's words the first time. They lived in the, the nation of, of Judah, but years prior to this, that Half of their nation, the northern ten tribes, had, had broken off and thrown off their king's rule and went and formed their own nation. And now those people, the Israelites, were coming back and, and, and attacking their own brothers and sisters in, in the nation of Judah. And so there was conflict. They had, they had family members on both sides of this conflict. Also, the Israelites had brought in another group of people, the Syrians, and they were also engaged in this mess. And beyond that, there was the looming threat of this world superpower, the Assyrians, who at any moment, it looked like they could sweep in and they could wipe your nation right off the face of the planet. If you were living in the kingdom of Judah at this point, your future felt very precarious. Beyond that, your king Ahaz, he, he was not known for being a good king, he he certainly didn't follow God's laws, and he didn't lead the people to follow God's laws, and that was a strike against him, and so God had pronounced judgment upon him, and by extension, your people, the nation of Judah, and, and so there was all of this chaos, all of this uncertainty, all of this conflict. 
It's described as a time of darkness and despair. Maybe those words, darkness and despair, resonate with you. Maybe you found yourself over the last year in, in this season of darkness. And if not despair, at least disillusionment, disappointment. If that's you, I want you to know this. I want you to know that God's people throughout history have found themselves in situations like this. And that in every instance, God has proven himself to be faithful. He did to the, the kingdom of Judah here in, in Isaiah's time. Let's keep reading verse 2. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. You will enlarge the nation of Israel, and as people will rejoice, they will rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest and like warriors dividing the plunder. For you will break the yoke of their slavery and lift the heavy burden from their shoulders. You will break the oppressor's rods just as you did when you destroyed the army of Midian. The boots of the warrior and the uniforms bloodstained by war will all be burned. They will be fuel for the fire. There's some hope here. Even with this background of chaos, uh, of conflict, of, of war, of battle, you've got the, the images of a yoke of slavery, a heavy burden, the oppressor's rod. You've got the boots of the warrior and the uniforms, blood-stained. These are all going to be discarded. They are no, no longer going to be needed because the conflict will be ended. There will be peace. And when Isaiah wrote these words, his world was in conflict. And yet he looked forward to peace. Peace was out there. It was on the horizon. Verse 6, for a child is born to us, a son is given, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of Heaven's armies will make this happen. A son will be born. He will be given the title, the Prince of Peace, and his peace will never end. When Isaiah wrote these words, again, his world was in conflict, but he looked forward even beyond the rule of Ahaz, beyond the rule of Ahaz's son, Hezekiah, who turned out to be a good king and, and who these words, many of these words apply to as well. And that's the thing about biblical prophecy. It, it often is fulfilled in multiple levels. When Isaiah wrote these words, he looked forward hundreds of years into the future to the time of Jesus. And then, on that night, there were some shepherds, and they were out watching their sheep on the hillside. And Luke 2, it contains the official birth announcement. When God sent his son into the world, the baby was born and God decided to declare it. Jesus has been born. He, he declared it to some shepherds and the angels showed up and they said this, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth with those whom God is pleased. That word peace, it keeps coming up in, in discussions around Jesus and it shows up on and on and on again, on into the New Testament later on after followers of Jesus had been sent out to tell the world about who Jesus was and what he did. The Apostle Paul writes these words in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. Your Bibles may say, for Jesus is our peace. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people when in his own body on the cross... He broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. 
He did this by ending the system of law with its commandments and regulations. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from the two groups. Look, God sent his son Jesus into the world to create peace between us and God, but also to create peace between us and us. By his sacrifice on the cross for you and me, Jesus made a way for us to experience that peace. And by sending his spirit to us, we we get to witness, we get to experience the Holy Spirit growing the fruit of peace in our hearts. For those of us who follow Jesus, we can experience true peace. But that still makes me wonder. What if you're a follower of Jesus? What if you're a Christian and and you haven't felt all that peacey this Christmas season? What if when you think of of the word peace, all that comes to your mind is a distinct lack of peace? Well, to that I'd say this, peace looks forward. Peace involves expectancy, perhaps optimism. Peace looks forward to what can be, even as it dwells in the here and the now, the, the mess of what is. And here's what I mean by that. Back in Isaiah's day, Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah wrote these words in a time of extreme lack of peace, a time described as deep darkness and despair. The future of his nation looked like it hung in the balance, and, and yet even during this time of conflict and no peace, Isaiah is able to proclaim that peace is on the horizon. Peace from God who is sending his son who will be the prince of peace, who will bring an everlasting peace. And then in the time of the shepherds in Luke chapter 2, you've got something called the Pax Romana, the, the Roman peace. But that Roman peace, that was, it was carved out at the edge of a sword. It was more of a Rome subjugating these peoples. And, and if you, were, if you were, were a Jewish person in that day, the, the image of, of your countrymen hanging up on crosses beside the road would have been seared into your mind as a warning to not rebel. And so this really wasn't peace at all. It was an imitation of peace that was carried out with the threat of force. And even so, God can declare this, peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased because peace looks forward. And then in Paul's day, Paul is out spreading the gospel and that puts him into conflict with others. And even as Paul is is enduring hardships and persecution and suffering false, false trials and beatings at the hands of his own countrymen, he can proclaim that Jesus is our peace because peace looks forward. It's optimistic. It knows what's happening now, and it chooses to, to express peace now, but it also looks forward to what can be. And so this, this Christmas, we invite you, the follower of Jesus or someone who is not yet there, to seek peace. Because of what God has done in offering his son for you, you can experience peace this Christmas, but not just this Christmas. You can experience peace in the rest of the year as well. And you can do that in in two different ways. You can seek peace with God, and you can seek peace with your fellow humans. As, As to that first part, seeking peace with God. I know that in a room like this, not everyone has has taken that step in faith to make Jesus Christ the Lord of their life. I know that joining us online this morning, there are probably those who, 
who've heard the gospel or maybe been invited to the live stream but haven't yet taken that step in faith. I want you to know that God took the first step in offering peace to you and me. And maybe, maybe you have never felt like you are in conflict with God. Maybe that's news to you. The Bible tells us that all have sinned and all have fallen short of God's glorious standard. We've broken God's law. There are so many ways in which we do this, all of us here. We're, we're, those of us who follow Jesus are good Christians, and yet we have walked out of a life of sin. We are choosing to follow Jesus. If, if you're not there and you don't know what a sin is, and it, there, there are so many, maybe around Christmas time, maybe you feel a little bit of jealousy. Maybe you look at others and you think, man, I wish that I had what they have, and I wish they didn't have it. Maybe their status or their looks or their, their wealth or something else. It's this jealousy. It's a sin. It's breaking God's law. It's valuing things above people and people we know are created in the image of God. If you've been jealous of someone, you've broken God's law. That puts you in conflict with God. Or maybe it's something else. Maybe those, those moments of, of conflict with your family members or your friends have led you to to anger that goes beyond into hatred. That's a sin too. It's, it's a moment of internal violence against someone created in God's image that can easily overwhelm you and overflow into external violence. Whatever the case is, no matter, no matter what you've heard out in the world about how God is, that he's angry or that he's vindictive, and no matter what you've experienced in followers of Jesus, we don't always get it right because we're human and we're trying to take steps forward, but we make mistakes. No matter what, I want you to know that God loves you and he took that first step and he offers you his peace. And so if you've never made that decision, today could be that day. What better time than the, the month of December to have that conversation, to, to take a step out of your old life, to repent and turn to Jesus, place your faith in him, Make him the Lord of your life and be baptized in his name. If that's you, I'd love to see you right after church today. Let's have a, let's have a conversation. Seek peace with God this Christmas season. And then seek peace with people. Because of what God has done in Jesus, the Prince of Peace, we can now be peacemakers, not just peacekeepers, but peacemakers in his name. And so I encourage you, don't miss the opportunity that Christmas gives you to, to do this. You know, WILX had a, an article this week uh, in the news about MSU professors give tips on how to survive Christmas gatherings. And it was all about not letting other people push your buttons and, um, you know, just surviving so that then you can go on and live your life. And that's not peace. When you're, your uncle that you're in conflict with shows up on Christmas and you set aside the, the battle for one day and you all share a meal together but then you pick up those weapons and you go back into battle and, or you try to avoid this man for the rest of this, the season, the rest of the year, that's not peace, that's just armistice. It's a temporary laying aside of arms. And armistice is not peace. Consider some of the beloved stories that we tell around Christmas time. We like to talk about the power of Christmas and how it can bring people together. And so we've got the, the story of the British Expeditionary Force in 1914 as they hear the carols coming from the trench, uh, from the German trenches. And this is a powerful story, right? And they hear the, the music and, and the singing, and so they cautiously send some representatives out, and 
the Germans meet them and the two sides agree to, to meet together and to share Christmas Day and they share a meal and they give each other gifts and you know, they even play a game of football. And it's, it, it, it fills our hearts when we hear this, but is that really true peace? Because what did those soldiers do the very next day? They picked up their arms again and began shooting at one another. An armistice is not peace. A temporary cessation of hostilities is not peace. Choosing to tolerate someone in the moment so you can avoid them for the rest of the year is not peace. Friends, don't let Christmas pass you by. Don't choose a temporary truce instead of a full-on restoration. Make it a real peace this Christmas season. And, and do so by looking forward. Because peace looks forward. Maybe, maybe things are incredibly bad, again, in your marriage. And they've bad, been bad, been terrible all year long. But you can choose peace this year on Christmas Day. And then you can choose peace the next day. And you can choose peace the next day after that and the day after that. And if you do so, I believe that your marriage could look remarkably different in 2024 than it looked in 2023. Because peace looks forward. Maybe things in your immediate family have been a total train wreck for years. But when you choose peace in December and peace in January and then peace for the next six months, month after month after month, I believe that God can do some incredible things in your family. And I know that you are choosing the way of Jesus. And that one day, when Jesus comes back and we all go together to be in his presence, that we will exist in perfect harmony and in perfect peace with our Christian brothers and sisters. Peace looks forward. It dwells in the present it understands the reality of now, but it looks forward to what is. It's that idea of the, the already but not yet that Eric talked about last week. And, and I believe that you can grow, truly grow into lasting peace this Christmas season by looking forward as well. As we wrap up this morning, I want to read to you a passage Eric also read last week. It's, it's from Revelation 21. Some of the final verses in Scripture. Revelation 21 verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared, and the sea was also gone, and I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or sorrow or crying, or pain. These things are gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne said, Look, I am making everything new. And then he said to me, Write this down, for what I tell you is trustworthy and, and true. The season of Advent is this season of, of looking forward. It's a season of expectancy. As we look forward to celebrating Christmas on Christmas Day, the events in which Jesus arrived in Bethlehem in a manger 2,000 years ago. But as we, as we look forward to the arrival of Jesus and remember those events, we also get to look forward to another arrival of Jesus. When Jesus comes back, this time in power and authority, 
And the dead in Christ are raised and those who are living are caught up to to join with him. Time as we know it will end and we will live forever in God's presence. That's what Revelation looks forward to. This moment when the wrongs that were started in the Garden of Eden, when God no longer dwelt presently and walked in the garden with his creation. When that's fixed and God is now together with his people once again. And that's what we get to look forward to as followers of Jesus. Looking forward to that peace that is in our future because peace looks forward. Will you join me in prayer? Father God, we're thankful, so thankful that your son Jesus chose to humble himself. He was born in a stable, laid in a manger. God, that he gave his life for us and that we can now choose to live as peacemakers, as people who are experiencing your peace and that we get to look forward to to an even greater realization of what that looks like. God, I pray that over the next few weeks as we celebrate all the events and all of the busyness and all the joy of, of Christmas, that you would give us opportunities to seek peace with each other and with you, and, and God, that you would give us boldness to actually follow through in, on those opportunities. God, I pray that we can find true peace and not just an imitation of it. Holy Spirit, grow this fruit of peace in our lives. Jesus Christ, it's in your name that we pray these things. Amen. At this point in our service, we respond to God. We worship in a few different ways. We'll worship in a little bit by giving back to God. We'll worship in song over the next couple minutes. We'll we'll sing a couple songs together telling God how amazing he is, thanking him for his son Jesus. And we'll also worship as we gather at these tables that are around the room, sharing in the Lord's Supper together. This is a meal, this is a practice that reminds us that that God's son Jesus didn't just arrive in a manger in Bethlehem, but that he grew up and he lived this perfect sinless life. And that because of that sinless life, he was the perfect sacrifice in our place so that you and I could be right with God. And so as as you share in this juice and this bread that represents Jesus' body that was broken for us and the juice represents his blood that was shed for us. Spend some time thanking Jesus for his gift of peace that you can realize today and peace for the future. Would you stand and join us in worship today?